My name is Nick Wagner Sr. and I am the founder of the Full Potential Movement. Yeah. So welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Full Potential Live Show. I am Nick Wagner Sr. Uh, it is Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time, so we're doing another fantastic interview uh, tonight with Terrilyn Romero Ball. So Terrilyn, thank you for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me. So every night, we, we every Sunday night we do this and we record it live here on LinkedIn. We also stream it to YouTube. And then what we do uh, is we'll go ahead and share this on YouTube for everyone to be able to watch it later. And then we also turn it into a podcast. So I will actually take the take the video, take out the, just take the audio from it. We'll release it on uh, all major podcast platforms. So Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera. And we, will all, all, we always make sure to get your um, contact information shared with uh, anyone that's going to be watching. So we can make sure to include like your LinkedIn or, or whatever you want with, um, with with the show description. So, so why don't we, I always like to start with this question. If you met someone in a conference or at work for the first time, and you were going to give like a two minute elevator speech on who you are, <laughs> what would yeah. you say? Oh, gosh. Well, I don't think I'd use two minutes to say who I am. I don't know if anyone has the capacity for that. It's funny how 60 seconds can feel long uh, when you're talking about yourself, especially if it's 120. Well, you're you're about to talk about yourself for 45 minutes, so, so get ready. <laughs> I know. Hopefully, it'll be interesting and engaging. We'll see if we can, uh, if we can make it work. I don't know if I'm going to beat the first couple of seconds of this, though. That was uh, pretty funny for anyone that came in early. Um, all right. So about me in a nutshell. Um, I guess the the less than two minute soundbite. Um, you know, I'm a Colorado girl. Um, I've always been a hard worker and a scrapper. Um, no matter what, I'm kind of up for seizing opportunities. Um, my career journey has really kind of been a bumpy uh, ride with a lot of bold moves, kind of uh, throughout the years. Um, very unconventional. I'm a big risk taker uh, when it comes to approaching challenges and taking uh, things head on. Uh, so I've kind of done that throughout my entire career. Um, I went to community college, worked two jobs uh, while putting myself through school. Um, and then in my career, I have found that I've often taken a lot of roles where I really didn't know what I was doing, um, but kind of found that to be part of the fun and, and uh, part of the reason uh, why I can stay energized after almost 20 years in the healthcare industry. Yeah. And we're going <clears> to <throat> we're going to talk about that that journey because I think it's I think it's a unique journey and I think I think you're going to inspire a lot of people to kind of show where you started and where you are today because you've had a lot of different roles with expanding responsibility and experiences that I think people are going to find really interesting. So, yep. you know, so you're, um, you know, according to, to LinkedIn, um, you are VP of innovation at Cigna, where, where we work together, a global health services company. And I all, I like to ask people this because when when we're when we're all little kids, like we always have these dreams of what we want to be when we grow up, right? So for me, it was an architect. I wanted to be an architect because I loved Legos and I was always building things. If you asked me when I was like, I don't know, probably ages like all the way until probably like twelve or thirteen, I would tell you I wanted to be an architect. So when you go back to you know elementary school or middle school or high school, what was that one thing you wanted to be when you grew up? Because um, I'm, I'm going to guess it was not what you're doing today. I'm just going to guess, right? Um, so what was it you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were a, were a little kid? You know, I never thought about it in terms of what I wanted to be. It was always what I wanted to do. Um, and you're right. It didn't uh, involve uh, healthcare in any way, shape, or form. I think I'd be surprised uh, as a little girl to know what I'm doing now. 
but I always wanted to change the world. I wanted to have a big impact and do something that mattered and leave an impression. You know, I, I had pets as a little kid. Um, so you learn kind of quickly how they come and go. I said, you know, one day I'm going to be gone. Um, and I wanted to know that my life had some meaning in it. So it's always been a pretty simple purpose in terms of how I, um, you know, imagine my life in the future. And I've tried to orientate myself around things that give me a chance to leave an impact. So did, and I, I love, I love that answer. And you, you, I feel you were a lot more, um, mature than I was at that age. Cause I, I don't think I really cared about impact. I think I just cared about like, could I build cool things? So <laughs> did you learn that? Did you kind of, did you learn that philosophy and that mindset from your parents? Like, you know, how did you, how did you figure that out? Like who, who taught you that? So I think that's a really interesting answer. Yeah. Thanks. You know, I was really, really lucky to have super supportive parents. Uh, my dad was, and continues to be my number one fan. So as a little girl, he's like, you know, he was always singing my praises, always telling me I could do whatever I wanted to do. Um, you know, girls did it better than boys, really anything to kind of just build me up and, and uh, make me feel like I could tackle the world. And that really just stayed with me. He actually is still my number one cheerleader. So I'm very fortunate. For no, that's uh, it. I, I mean, we, we have talked about this with, with numerous guests, so just the impact that sometimes it's family, sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's a mentor that has on your life, right? And your decisions on what you want to be when you grow up. And to your point, you know, um, and, you know, being your father, the fact that he's still like, I, I can, I can just picture the conversations of you calling him up and like, Hey dad, I got a new job and here's what I'm doing and him being all excited. Right. So I love that. Yeah. Um, I actually have to be careful what I share with him because if he will like mass, mass share whatever news i share so I, you know, I have to kind of keep it to a minimum you have to disclose certain things like hey you can only share this no that's funny <laughs> at least at least he's excited right yeah, um exactly. so i you know you want to you wanted to change the world which i think can be a challenge when you're getting your first job say back in high school so what was uh because I don't think many of us were changing the world at our first jobs in high school what were what was the first job you ever got paid for uh, way back uh, when you were when you were like a kid growing up. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I did like little, you know, neighborhood, uh, you know, stands and and stuff like that. So I, I won't I won't count that. My first actual paid job where I had a W two, I was stocking shelves for Michaels, which is like a hobby and craft store. Yep. And um, you know that was it was just easy money, and I could work hours that were complementary to my uh, high school schedule. As uh, I think like a lot of high school kids, I wanted a yeah. car and I wanted a really cool car. Um, but my parents told me I would have to pay for it along with my insurance. And so um, I needed a job that paid decent and I could work on the nights and weekends. And that uh, really served quite well. We also had a family friend that got me an in. So right away I was helped by the network. Yeah. So I say you, you'll learn the power of networking at a very young age. Um, yeah. And yeah, we need, we, we needed gas money, right? Because you and I are on the same page. We needed 99 cent gallon gas, right? I remember that in high school. It was great. It was a great deal then. Um, so, so you mentioned, you mentioned earlier community college was the expectation as you growing up that you were going to go to college and that was, you know, just like not negotiable or what, yeah. or was that up to you? Right. And I, I always hear different, I always hear different answers here, right? Cause sometimes my guests will tell me their parents didn't really care what they did, right? Some some of my guests went to the military, right? Some were entrepreneurs. What was what was that conversation 
because I'm going to guess your father was was a big part of that decision, right? In that conversation. But what was uh what was that like growing up in high school? Yeah, you know, in in high school, I was a really uh, dedicated student, especially on the back half when I started figuring out that I better get my act together because it's going to matter. <laughs> um, so you know, I was one of those kids that had like a fully loaded curriculum as a senior. Uh, I had all the AP classes and I did very well. Um, I think because of that, my parents kind of left me to my own devices when it came to college. Uh, I think I applied for college a couple days before the cutoff ended. So I just, I barely made it in. Uh, I ended up going to CU Boulder uh, and found that it was a bit too soon for me. I really wasn't ready to go to college. Uh, I think maybe some of the discipline in high school kind of just burned me out. I said, you know, um, I, I'm going to take a year off. And at that point, quite frankly, I wasn't sure if I'd go back because uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it just, um, you know, it, it felt like too much too soon kind of coming out of high school. Um, so by the time I eventually did go back to college, it was uh, after I had already entered into the workforce. Um, and at that point, community college was kind of more within my realm. Um, I had to pay for it myself. And similar to uh, my first job, I took it because it could complement the responsibilities that I already had with, uh, you know, with my uh, with my job at the time. Uh, so I'd go to college in the evenings and on the weekends. Um, and in fact, I picked up a different uh, a second job just to be able to pay for everything. So it's a very busy girl for a little while. Yeah. And, you know, I think I love how you mentioned community college because I think with, with the, you know, and everyone talks about it, right? With the, with the cost of college these days, it being so expensive, I think community college is a great way for a lot of, a lot of kids who don't know what they want to do to yeah. start the college education and start the process at a fraction of the price compared to, you know, a traditional four-year school. So I, lo I love how you mentioned that because I think it's, I think it's, I think more and more kids and families are going to be looking into that just because the cost savings, right? So, yeah. um, so good, good shout out to uh, the community college. And I also think, you know, to your point, you didn't really know what you wanted to do. I think that's just so common. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, right? And I'm 38. So I don't think it's, I think it's almost, you know, impossible to expect, uh, say, an 18-year-old kid to know what you want to do when you grow up. Sure. So, uh, so how did, so let's, so let's talk about from, from a career perspective. So you mentioned you were already working when you went back to community college. So is that when you started at Great West? Um, were you working at Great West when you went to community college or is there a different role before you started your career in healthcare? Yeah, there was, that, that's a good question. There was actually a different role before I started, um, in what I would call kind of my career. Um, in fact, before I even decided I want to go back to community college, what I really wanted to do wanted to do was go travel the world. I wanted to go over to Europe. So there was this. Um, they, I think they still have them now, but they certainly had them a lot more back then. It was like a temp to hire agency. Um, they had one in the basement of a building called Great West Healthcare, which is where I kind of started off um, my my corporate journey. And uh, that was. Uh, <laughs> You know, it was a funny time because I was just looking to make a lot of money, squirrel it away, and then like head off to Europe. So they had these typing jobs and they were offering $11 an hour to come in and basically do claims data entry. And before I even took the typing test, I had my first salary negotiation. I remember walking in the door and they said, you know, kind of here's the requirements of the job. Like, is all of this okay with you? And I said, yeah, except I don't, I don't want 11, but I'll do it for $13.50. And I remember the lady looking at me going, why in the world are we going to pay you $13.50? I said, well, because I can do I can do twice the volume. 
um, I had as a little kid, like uh, computers, computer access. And my father had like those typing tests and games. Oh, that is funny. And I would do that for hours. So like my typing speed was ridiculous. My accuracy, I could do it without looking and without making a mistake. So I got, I got the 1350 really without any question after the results came back. And that was my very first job. And, and wow, so you're, you were negotiating salary in like your like 20s, um, which is not common. So yeah. kudos to you. Yeah. Um, so did you end up going to Europe and, and, and traveling the world for a little bit? You know, I never did. Um, I ended up meeting a lot of friends around that time um, and just had, you know, 101 reasons to kind of stay where I was at. The company also brought me on board as a permanent employee, I think within like two weeks, um, <laughs> seeing how fast I could type. Um, and I did that job for probably about three years, really just, you know, saving money, still thinking that maybe at some point I would go ahead and go to Europe. And then it really just dawned on me that, you know, I wasn't going to go travel and I needed to get serious about what I was doing. Um, and it was really at that juncture that I started thinking about everything very differently instead of, you know, how can I get money to finance a trip? Right. More about how can I take a, a job or a role that's going to set me up well in, into the future? Um, and I was lucky enough to see an administrative assistant posting on the job boards kind of as I was starting to feel like I needed to get more serious. And uh, I said, you know, I think that's the type of job that can easily springboard into something bigger. Um, you know, if you think about it as an administrative assistant, you know, many of those roles um, are for leaders within the company who are doing right. really big things. I said, you know, if I can if I can do a good job there, maybe it'll lead to something else. Um, and so with a lot of deliberation, uh, I took an administrative assistant job working for the VP of uh, provider relations and network contracting. In fact, I showed up for the job interview in a little red riding hood outfit <laughs> through uh, some serendipitous circumstances. So it was uh, pretty interesting. So that was, and that was Great West. So that was uh, for people that don't know. So Great West was purchased by Cigna. I want to say in uh, what what year was it? Two thousand four, five. I don't. Maybe I have that wrong. I think it was much. It was much later. So for me, um, yeah, we started feeling it in two thousand and eight. Um, okay. On the holidays, and then I think two thousand and nine is when it became official. Two thousand nine. So that so that was really the beginning of your your journey in, into the healthcare world. So yeah. it's interesting because I think I, you I think the way you approached applying for that job was you had a lot of insight about. Hey, this you know, this is what I want to do long term. And I think there's a lot of opportunity by taking this and by you know who, who I'm going to be able to network with and connect with, which I think is great. Um, once you got the job, right? So what was this was like really your first corporate job? Then I guess at this point, because the other job was more of a more of you know you weren't you weren't planning on being there, right? Like now now you were like okay, this is a career. Yeah. Um, what was I guess my question for you is what made you what made you change? Like, what was the mindset change? How did that happen where you, you thought all of a sudden you had to get serious about your career? Was there like a life event that made that happen? Or do you think it was just more just kind of growing up? I, I got so bored. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it was. I'm like, you know, I was showing up and uh, typing for eight hours a day and, and then clocking out and going home and getting on with my life. And that was really wonderful for about three years. And then I just got bored. I said, I want to do something more challenging. And if I'm going to do something more challenging and take the time to learn and be good at it, then I might as well make sure that it's a stepping stone to other things and yeah. grow up. A yeah. 
That that's that that was not the answer I was expecting, but it's interesting. Um, and it's funny how something as simple as like you were bored, you yeah. know, kind of kind of made you get serious about your career, right? Uh, so that no, I just I find that interesting. So how long did you do the administrative assistant job for? And was your was your was your inclination correct that taking this job would lead to bigger things? Like how how did how did that work? Yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciate the question. It's uh, it, it's something I'm proud to share and, and proud to tell because I think it's it's about being bold and, and being brave in, in your pursuits. Um, so I was in total in the administrative assistant job for about two years. Um, regardless of how ridiculous I showed up to the interview again, I was in a little red Riding Hood uh, outfit because it was. Halloween and uh, got surprised with an interview. It, it was actually rescheduled. Uh, it, was, it was supposed to be the following week. Um, my boss at the time had a trip. He said, look, can you come in today? Um, so despite the outfit, I got the job. Um, and, you know, I took it really seriously. I remember telling him in the interview, I'm like, you know, my job as your administrative assistant is to do two things, you know, one, to make you look good and two, to make your life easier. And every day that I showed up to work, I really did everything that I possibly could in order to fulfill on both of those uh, purposes. You know, I would take notes, I would organize his office, um, you know, I'd make sure that the printer had ink. Um, but I think much more importantly, um, I, you know, I started kind of walking around, right? Cause I would kind of finish those tasks quickly. So I started walking around to the team and the team was pretty good size. It was probably about eight different individuals on the team. And I'd say, hey, you know, do you have anything that you need some help with or that maybe you don't want to do today? Right. And, you know, of no surprise, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, take this, have this. I got a stack of papers over here. And so very quickly, everyone was kind of giving me, you know, the stuff on their list that they didn't want to do um, or maybe that they didn't have time to do. Yeah. Uh, within about two years, um, I was able to do um, their jobs. Um, I was able to do several jobs on the team. Um, so I remember walking into his office. I don't think it was like a formal uh, meeting or anything like that. I felt that it was pretty, pretty serendipitous. Um, I had thought about it a lot in advance, but I think I kind of sprung it on him as a surprise. Uh, and I walked into his office and I said, hey, look, you know, I've been helping out the team. I now can do their job. And if you will give me a position on the team as a provider relations coordinator, I'll help you find another administrative assistant. Uh, and you don't have to give me a pay raise if we can make it happen quickly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's uh, how I made the leap over. So where did where did you get the boldness um, <laughs> that enabled you to negotiate a salary in your 20s to do <laughs> what you just said? Because, I mean, at this point, I mean, you're no you're no older than what, like 25, 26 and you're, and you're demanding things from from multiple people in management. So where did, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, I think it was a bit different at the time, right? So I I knew that if 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 he would have said no, I could have gotten a job somewhere else. Um, and I think that that comfort level in knowing that I didn't actually need the job. Yeah. That if things came to a head, I could very quickly go get another job. Um, I also think, you know, just teenagers, right? I mean, I was at the very end of my teenage years at that point. Uh, you know, they, they kind of have attitude. I certainly had a lot of it. Um, sometimes I wonder where a little bit of that went, but 
<laughs> yeah, to this day, I don't know how I walked into the office so boldly and did it and got a yes. So huge testament to him. for. Uh, so, so, he, so he said yes. And yes. you moved from the administrative assistant job to, you think you said provider relations coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Which seems like a very different job um, from what you were doing. So what was... Was this because because the administrative assistant job wasn't really healthcare, right? I mean, you were working for a healthcare company, totally. but it wasn't really healthcare related. Yeah. What was what was this role, you know, really um, now like officially with healthcare doing? Yeah, well, you know, what's funny is I felt like I had been doing it already <laughs> because every time I had downtime, I was you know grabbing work from the team, and so you know I understood how to put forward um, a credentialing packet. You know, so we credential providers before they come onto the network. And I understood all the things that went into that. Um, I understood how the medical economics people were looking at our membership across the different cities and towns um, and coming up with rate proposals. Um, and I understood how, um, you know, the, the rate schedule set by Medicare and, you know, CMS basically kind of played into the money that they would take home at the end of the day. Um, so I felt like I had a really good foundational understanding. And so when I came into that role, I really just kind of picked it up and kept doing it um, while also looking for ways to drive efficiency um, for myself and among the team uh, once I got more acclimated in terms of the day-to-day responsibility. Right. So at this point, you'd already been doing the job. You took this job. Were you already thinking of what was next at this point when you took this job because you already feel comfortable with it? Not, no, not really. Not really? Um you know, at that point, I think I was just feeling really fulfilled with all the learning that I was doing. Uh, every day I was learning so much about, you know, not only how to look at a, a rate negotiation, but how to look at the dynamics between demand and supply with the delivery system. Um, I was also still in school at the time. So I started at community college, did that for a couple of years, and then transferred over to Regis University. Um, for the for the money saving, right? I'm like, oh, I can get my final degree at a big university, but not necessarily incur all the cost. Um, so I I had every minute of my day um, completely filled with something, and I think the last thing I was doing at that point was thinking about what was next. Um, obviously, that came eventually, but yeah, I mean, it was just kind of heads down. So why finish college if you already had a career? Uh, I, I believed in it. Um, I definitely still believed in the power of a bachelor's degree. Um, and naively, I also thought, gosh, the second I'm in, I get a bachelor's degree, I'm going to see my salary skyrocket, you know? Uh, that's not how it turned out. That's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. Uh, but that's, you know, I think what, what we believe when we're young and uh, young and dumb, right? And I mean, even even today, right? I mean, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I, I tell people, go, go back, get your MBA, get your master's. And more education has never hurt anyone. But to your point, don't expect a raise just because you get a master's or an MBA. It, it will absolutely help you in your career, but it's not like it's not guaranteed more money. You know, right. I think that's a common misconception. So I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out. So, so you finish school, you, you you have like an official healthcare career. Now you're doing healthcare related activities, and then you said so. Great West got purchased in the 2008 2009 timeframe by Cigna. Mm-hmm. What was it like? going through an acquisition like that where you're at the company being acquired by a bigger company i mean was that a, like a scary time for you or you know kind of kind of play that back for us yeah it, it was a very scary time for me because at that point i had about seven to eight years vested in great west healthcare so i had definitely made a, a career out of it 
Um, and in that time, I'd also advanced to uh, the role of a, of a senior analyst, um, really negotiating at the national level for contracts. Um, and so I, you know, I'd had a, a really good good ride um, during that time. And when uh, Cigna came and bought us out, it was definitely a mix of excitement and total anxiety. Um, in the role that I was in at the time, I had a national view of what was happening across the country because I worked with uh, different sales teams and uh, really people all over uh, the United States. And it was almost like if you can imagine like a U.S. map at night and you can see like all the lights across the various states, it was like the lights just started going out. It was like, oh, you know, <laughs> the light over in California just got a lot dimmer and then the week after, it'd be like, oh, it's gone completely. You know, the team's gone. Um, all the people that I used to know and work with, all of a sudden, they're gone. And there were probably about six or seven different rounds of, of layoffs that I survived. Um, and then finally, kind of the hammer came to head. And um, uh, my boss at the time was really looking out for me. And she said, Terrilyn, you've got to start looking for a different job because our team is going to be eliminated. Right. Uh, you know, at that point, the writing was on the wall. And um, and so that in fact, that's how I made a huge career shift um, into the product organization. But it was it was very scary. And for a little period of time, unfortunately, a lot of work didn't get done. You know, it was yeah. um, it was it was hard for everybody. Um, but, luckily, so, but but I think the interesting thing is that this the anxiety and all the change, you actually took advantage of it. Right and made a career change with it. So instead of actually, you know, being a detriment to you, you made a career change, which I think is, uh, I think actually happens quite often. I think, you know, it's nice that your boss looked out for you, but you were proactive and then and then probably through all your networking found another role. But what was, when you moved to, and, and I, you have to explain to people what a product role means. Like, I think a lot of people probably don't know what that means. Like what is, so you were working with, um, actual providers, which are healthcare providers before, what is a product role at a healthcare company? What were you doing in that role? Yeah, I think that the best way I can describe it for folks is, you know, like anything that you may have in your day-to-day -day life, you know, your cell phone, right? You know, this is a product. Uh, your, your, uh, the type of TV you have is a, is a product. Um, so there's people in the healthcare industry that just like people in technology are, are working hard each and every day to kind of deliver you the services and solutions that you need to make your life easier. Um, and healthcare is just a bit different because you kind of you can't touch it or pass it around. Um, but it's things like chronic condition management programs, um, you know, pharmacy programs, step therapy programs. You know, there's people behind the scenes working to make sure that those programs are improving health um, and meeting the needs of customers, and that if they aren't, you know, they're advancing um, the product in order to make it better for for end users. Yeah, I think, you know, another thing that people might recognize is like if you have an HSA or an HRA or an FSA, those are all different different healthcare products. So this was a big career change for you, going from the work you were doing now to the product role. Did you, At this point, did you have a mentor that was helping you through any of these changes or, you know, kind of through everything you were going through? You know, at the time, I did not. Um, in fact, what I had was... Um, a woman who was really willing to to take a chance on me. So it's funny that you call out that in my um, you know career journey up into that point that I'd really been working with providers and the delivery system. The reason that's funny to me is because you know I did that for about eight years, 
And then when Cigna came and I had to have this career change, really it was, it was kind of, you know, do it or don't. And if you don't, you're going to have to find a different company to work for. And it really, I, I liked what Cigna was about and I wanted to see where it would take me. But when I had that interview for the product role, um, the woman at the time very quickly realized that I, in fact, didn't know a single thing about the products and services that the company offered. <laughs> I wasn't even enrolled in a healthcare plan. I'm like, oh, I'm young, you know, and I'm not risking my life out there every day. And uh, again, I was a bit naive. Um, and, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So I was trying to save, I think, like many Americans often do when they make trade-off decisions. I was trying to save that money that would have gone to healthcare premiums and use it for things like food or going out and having fun uh, with my friends. And so, you know, I walked into that interview with like zero baseline knowledge and it was eye-opening for me because I'm like, wow, you know, I've been here for so long and I've had success. And at the same time, you know, walking into a different role, it was like this whole other, uh, you know, big new world. Um, so she told me to actually come back. She said, you know what? Why don't you come back and we'll talk again in a week? She said, bring everything that you've done so far that you're really proud of. Um, so I remember for that second meeting, I came in with like a binder full of, you know, 80 different printouts. And I walked through the binder and I said, this is what I've done. This is why I'm proud of it. Uh, it was everything from PowerPoint decks to um, memos and announcements uh, to training curriculum. Um, to kind of guidance on, or not guidance, but um, business recommendations on uh, network adequacy issues. So kind of the whole gamut of things. Um, and she basically hired me based on potential. And the major caveat was that I had to take a step back. Um, so I had to go from a senior provider relations analyst all the way to the bottom of uh, the product and marketing organization, which at the time was a marketing consultant. Um, so I, I took a couple of steps back in order to do that and basically started all over again in 2009. So that's really interesting. I think it's a really good, I think it's a really good story because a lot of you, I think are, are hesitant to do that, yeah. but I actually recently had a conversation with someone that wanted to move into HR and I had the exact same conversation. You're not going to be able to pivot from the organization you're in today to HR without going, you know, kind of backwards like you did. And I said, if you're okay with that, I think you'll have a better chance of finding a job. And they were actually, they were okay with it. They were like, no, this is what I want to do. So they, they, they actually kind of were at peace with it. But I think it's a really good story because sometimes you have to, and again, I think a lot of people look at it as a, as a negative because they might be losing, um, you know, the, the title. Right. But obviously in your case, the opportunity, that came with came with it was so much greater that you thought it was worth the trade-off. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, the trade-off was I got to keep my tenure and I got to stick with a company um, that I thought was, because I loved Great West Healthcare. Um, and I thought Cigna had a lot of potential and I was excited about what they what they had to offer. Um, so that was the trade-off for me, um, which which was easy to do at the time. It was kind of, again, that that bold attitude of, yeah, I can take a step back, but I'm going to do double the time now. I'm going right. to work hard and I'm going to make it up and I'm still going to get where I need to be. Um, so, you, so you were in the product role I was when I was looking at your LinkedIn uh -huh. for really, what, eight years, eight, nine years mm -hmm. in, in, diff in different types of roles, right? Like with each with, you know, added responsibility, different scope, you know, big, you know, bigger teams, things like that. Mm -hmm. So what 
as you as you went through those different roles, right? Because I mean, you had I mean, I was looking at like you know I don't know four or five roles. How did you keep finding all these new opportunities? Did 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 you go out and find them, or was it you just kept getting asked to do other things? How did that happen? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I'd say ninety percent of those it was being tapped on the shoulder. Um, so when I came into the product organization, again, not knowing anything, um, I came in right when mental health parity and healthcare reform were rolling out for the very first time. At the same time, we were also looking to build out a fully insured um, offering on one of our systems platforms. So like in zero time flat, I had to come very quickly up to speed with everything that we were doing. And I, you know, I did that for, you know, about about two years in that very first job. And I remember after I did that, the same woman who gave gave me a chance, um, she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, I like what you just did uh, for our medical benefits and offerings. Can you go do that for pharmacy? Um, and in the pharmacy role, I think I was in there six months um, and quickly got promoted. So in six months, I had done a competitive intelligence review to basically make some high level recommendations for the company on how we could stay ahead of our competition. Um, and that one project alone got me a promotion um, and another tap on the shoulder uh, for the next role, which was, um, you know, really within health and wellness. So all of our disease management programs, chronic condition management, um, you know, all, you know, your biometrics, your health risk assessment, all those sorts of things. Um, but it was kind of a continual cycle of, hey, we like what you did. Can, can you come do this over here? Right. Fine if you don't know anything about it, because we know that, you know, you'll figure it out. Um, so I started to really develop a brand as someone who worked really hard um, and could learn really quickly um, and deliver results, really kind of regardless of of the variables. But I think, and I think you know, if you look at your LinkedIn, you have some jobs for like a year, for ten, for ten months, for eight months. I think you can definitely see that trend because you got asked to do a lot of things in short periods of time, and then got moved to something else. Mm-hmm. So I feel like all of this. <clears throat> has has led you to the role you're in today right and the, and the role you've been in today you know linkedin says about eight months right so not even a year yet um and that's how we met is your role you know it says um v, vp of innovation right uh for um and i know you're in the marketing organization so what um what are you doing in this role today and and what how does it kind of take everything you've learned from the product perspective and you know the provider the provider relations perspective and kind of bring it all together yeah um great question again so you know at the highest level i'm really in charge of creating an innovation strategy in order to drive growth for our u.s commercial book of business and really doing that through kind of a two-pronged approach Um, number one it's about delivering a new enablement vehicle for creating that disruptive and differentiated value in market through new services, services and solutions that help Americans get you know, more affordable healthcare, um, that help uh, employers see better health outcomes across their population. And which, which quite frankly, um, you know, and, and things that also make it easier for people to kind of navigate their health. Right. Um, so that's of course very exciting and will be highly rewarding. The second thing that I'm really focused on is also figuring out new ways for us to bring the strength of Cigna innovation to market so that, um, you know, we can help, uh, you know, employers, but really many outside of that 
understand exactly what Cigna is doing to address really tough health challenges, both now and into the future, by bringing forward purposeful experiences that make it real and relevant for them. So that this this seems like a really complex, complicated, big job. Is it? And I, my my assumption is from all our conversations, you're not expected to solve these problems on your own, right? You're you're working with people all across the company, you know, within our industry, outside of our industry, to to bring these to try to come up with these big ideas. You're not. This isn't this isn't you by yourself, right? This is you're working across how many people? Countless, right? Yeah, yeah, countless. There, there's so many people. And, you know, with something like this, I'm really fortunate because it's the type of topic that everyone wants to be involved with or at least wants to, to help guide, right? So I've, I've got so many friends in so many places across the company just because of this role who are like, you know what, um, maybe I you know, don't have time to invest directly in what you're doing. Um, but here's some advice or let me know if I can help you. And of course, there's many that are directly invested um, and making this a success. Um, nothing, especially to this size and scope, happens in a silo. Right. Uh, this is the type of area where you really do need um, a wide mix of perspectives around the table or around any sort of problem to help you kind of think through it because um, you know we're looking to do some really new and exciting things here. Um, and you're you know it only benefits me um, by working with others more. I'd be remiss to do this alone. So, so you mentioned, so you mentioned innovation and I feel it's such a popular buzzword in name the, you know, name, name it, right. Name, if it's corporate, the corporate world, if it's the startup world, if it's the education space, right. Innovation is this really hot topic that everyone wants more innovation. They want to figure out how to make it happen. They want to figure out how to get it, how to, how to like, let it thrive, things like that. So when you think of innovation, and obviously, I think, you know, the reason that you're in this role is because you've done so many product roles across that, you know, eight, nine years of time. And you've learned so much about so many different parts of the healthcare, the healthcare system. When you think of the, the word innovation, what do you think, like what immediately comes to mind for you? Like when, when you found this role, what, why did it excite you so much? Oh, gosh. Oh, so many reasons. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, kind of that childhood dream of having an opportunity to change the world or, or leave a meaningful impact. Um, healthcare is a, is, a, is a broken industry in our country right now. And I think that there's a lot of, of Americans, millions of Americans out there who are really frustrated with it, regardless of whether or not they have it. You know, those Americans that have health insurance find that it's expensive. Um, they don't understand it and it's complicated. And that's, you know, even if you don't have a huge medical condition, I think these things are, are true. Um, and, you know, for the folks that really are going through something, of course, these things are exasperated. So to be in a position to drive innovation for a global company, I mean, my focus is on the U.S., but the, the company is global. Um, and for a company that has the type of assets um, that Cigna has, you know, where, where we, we've gotten bigger and bigger over the years, I, I won't go through that, but, you know, we, we've have um, really great capabilities across medical, pharmacy, and behavioral to really do some pretty powerful things that take the uh, needs of the whole person into consideration, um, you know, body and mind, right? Um, so that that really gets me excited. It's a, it's a huge burden to bear. Um, but when I think about innovation and what the opportunity means here, um, for me, the word change comes to mind, change and courage. 
You know, we, we need change in a lot of different regards. Um, and there's plenty of things out there <laughs> where, you know, it's not, doesn't have to be just me tackling it. I think this is things that so many employees at Cigna really live and breathe every single day. Um, and then the courage to do it. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest differences sitting in an innovation role compared with prior roles is, you know, whether, whether it was product solutions or, you know, network contracting, you kind of knew that you were on the right track when people are like nodding their heads and like encouraging you to keep going in the direction yeah. you're headed. Um, and with innovation, um, it, it's a bit different. Sometimes the opposite is true. Sometimes you know that you're on the right track when it makes people feel uncomfortable um, or when there's challenge to, to your ideas or to your vision. Um, that, that's a, that's for me, that's a compass that maybe you're kind of rocking the boat a little bit. Um, so the, the, you know, the understanding that I've gotten from my prior roles in terms of the larger ecosystem are certainly of high value. Uh, the network and relationships that I've made over this time within the company um, have also enabled this, um, you know, me to, me to be extra, um, I think, well positioned in a role like this. So it's really kind of the culmination of everything coming together all at once. So I feel I feel like the term innovation and your role are very ambiguous. For a lot of people, I think ambiguity scares them, especially when it comes to a, a, a job at work. So what 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 do you tell people when they ask you about your role? And and you mentioned how ambiguous it, ambiguous it is. How do you how do you deal with that ambiguity on a daily basis? Oh, um, you know, it's funny. I've always been a fan of ambiguity. For me, it's it's like gray matter that you can form and shape, or it's a white space that you can play with. Like I've always liked ambiguity. Um, this role has it in spades, <laughs> and I will. No. There, there's been moments where the degree of ambiguity actually leads to a little bit of anxiety, um, especially when you're in a position to influence and really drive the strategy forward, because you know, it's it's up to you to figure out what goes on the page um, or it's up to you to kind of make a case for a particular direction and take something that is ambiguous and bring it into clarity so that others can come along with you. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a type of challenge I like. It's not for everyone. Um, I'd say if you're the type of person that doesn't work well with ambiguity and you like things to be really clear and direct and kind of A to B, um, this would definitely not be the role for you. Um, but for those that do, it's um, it's very freeing and and liberating and um, you know inspirational on a day to day basis. Yeah, no, I I think you know, I I think the probably the reason you're okay with it is because you've had so many other roles in your career that have you know taught you this or taught you that and kind of continue to I think just probably make it easier for you to realize what's going on, right? So. <laughs> I think it, it's probably one of those things that as you as you as you went through time, it just got easier and easier um, to deal with the ambiguity. It's probably my guess. So, um, so I want to I want to I want to go to the lightning round. I want to ask you a couple questions, okay. uh, some quick questions that we'll go through and see what you think. So, first one, biggest accomplishment of your career to date. Wow. You know, it, it's actually a couple years back. We had just hired about 80 different health and we call them health improvement strategists. Um, we hired 80 of them or so around the country. These were like folks straight out of college. They had degrees in nutrition and, um, you know, and in health. And they really didn't have any experience in the healthcare industry at all. Um, and we hadn't ever really hired people like this with the sole intent of having them work directly one on one with employers. 
in order to improve the employee population of that particular employer. So these health improvement strategists would basically say, hey, you know, you have a lot of people that are maybe struggling um, uh, with obesity or maybe struggling with diabetes. You know, here's the programs that the company offers to help those folks. And, you know, here I am and I can offer you a, um, a personalized plan to kind of get everything back on track. Um, these people were like bright eyed, highly passionate, you know, wanting to change the world. And the reason I give so much context is because, you know, they, they came on board and what we quickly found out was that they were almost overwhelmed with the amount of learning that it took to really understand um, all the things that a health insurance company does to support the health and well-being of populations. So they became frustrated, a little bit disheartened. Um, you know, they didn't feel like it was the job that they had necessarily signed up for. Um, and we, um, you know, in their defense, we didn't have a lot of kind of the operational things um, ready behind the scenes in order to make it easy for them to get ramped up. Um, so I was basically tapped on the shoulder with the number one mission being, you know, get these folks back on board, get them excited and give them the tools and the operational um, uh, governance and procedures that they need in order to be effective. Um, so I got to come up with a, a training curriculum. I got to fly all over the country and speak with them one-on-one, -on -one, um, figure out how to translate healthcare jargon for folks coming straight out of college that didn't yeah. you know, speak that language. Um, and they're still around to this day and they do incredible work and they've gotten bigger um, and much more sophisticated. Um, but that was kind of a pivotal moment where we were really at risk of kind of seeing that go away just as quickly as it had come up. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I've worked with some of those people, so I know I know who you're, you're referencing, and they do make a big impact. So that's a great story. So on the flip side, biggest failure of your career to date? Oh. You know, I have a hard time with the word failure um, because you know I, I think people can look at that with such a negative connotation. Um, there's been a lot of little failures, I guess, or mistakes. I like the word mistake better because I think you know you can learn from a mistake. A failure feels so final, like, oh, gosh, you know, I failed that. I guess I better go try something else because that's not working for me. Um, and that's just not the mindset that I have. But there's there's certainly been a lot of mistakes. Um, I think one of my biggest mistakes, I actually made it twice before I uh, learned my lesson, <laughs> um, was, you know, about, and it's with all good intention, right? Um, but there was two times in my career where, I shared something uh, to a large group that I thought the group needed to know, you know, all based in fact, and again, with really good intent, um, but I didn't do the proper socializing before the meeting um, to tie off with folks because the information actually wasn't good. Um, and I thought, you know, business is business, just bring it to the table, tell folks what it is. Um, and I really kind of forgot that human element in the moment. Um, so I, you know, in one instance, I, I made someone very upset and they cried. And in the other instance, uh, I got screamed at in front of a, a bunch of folks. So um, that's probably the biggest mistake I've ever made. I don't make that mistake anymore, but <laughs> it did take me two times to really have it hammered in. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, that um, sometimes I, I like how you mentioned, though, you learn from it and it was with good intent, because I think there's a difference between making a mistake with good intent and making a mistake and being malicious. Right. So. Because then it's not really a mistake; it's it's more on purpose. Um, all right. So last last lightning round question: uh, the person that's had the biggest impact on your career. Oh, you know this is going to sound so cheesy. I, I have so many amazing mentors and guides um, 
that I, I wouldn't be where I'm at without any of them. And, and I'm fortunate to have a lot. Um, but based on the way that you phrased the question, I got I to gotta go with my dad. You I knew know? you were going to say that. Turn me on. Yeah, you never yeah. need someone like that because, you know, life is tough. Jobs are tough. And no matter how, you know, how good you're doing or how good you feel, there's always going to be those moments where you question yourself or where maybe you didn't kill it that day um, and you made a mistake um, or you weren't proud of the job that you did. You know, you we, it all. we all have those days. Yeah, right? We're all human. So you gotta have someone in your corner, you know. Okay, so shout out to dad. I like that. Yeah, um, so I, I want to say thank you for obviously making time to to join us. We always close with one with a final question. I always ask every every person this, every guest, what is the one piece of advice you'd give my guests that's helped you be be so successful in your career, right? So what's that one thing that's helped you reach your full potential that you would want to share with my audience? That's a great question. Uh, always ask. The worst you can be told is no, and that's the same as not asking. Always ask, whether it's for a job that you know doesn't exist, whether it's for more money. Um, always, always ask. A stretch assignment, um, an opportunity to have lunch with someone that you admire and respect. You will be surprised with the degree to which people say yes. Yeah. So always ask. Very good advice. So thank you. Thank you for making time. Like I said, well, for anyone that, that's listening to this uh, on the podcast or watching it on the replay, uh, you can check out the description and we'll, we'll link to, to Terilyn's LinkedIn so you can connect with her if you want to learn more about her career, get in touch with her. Um, but thank you again for making time and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. To learn more about our movement, visit our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. Or visit us on multiple social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.